Hello, welcome to Sport and Life. Thank you for hitting on the button. Hope you're well. Thank you for being here. Thank you also to the chief sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Pop into the exquisite showroom managed by Jason Briggs in the courtyard in Montpellier here in Cheltenham in the west of England. All look for Serene AV online get your bespoke home entertainment quote just any information from jason and his fine team that'd be great i'm still sore from playing football with jason for the first time me playing football in, in nearly a year after my knee up but he's a he's a good guy <clears throat> and he'll steer you right uh, thank you also to cytoplan for the support on the podcast food-based supplement company we've been taking their podcast for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father if you go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk at checkout, you can get 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing with the code DRAPER10R. My last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, the numerals 1-0 and the capital letter R, DRAPER10R. Remember Anthony Asprey, the Whole Man Academy, giving five free sessions with him, mentoring sessions. He says it's particularly relevant for anyone who feels slightly stuck in life or not doing or not going exactly where they want to be and how they want it to go. So worth checking that out through the show notes, linked to those five complimentary sessions given away with Anthony Asprey, the Whole Man Academy, who's been on the podcast. Worth listening to that conversation, does charge good money. So I appreciate him doing it for free with us. And also quickly, if you are intrigued by the idea of recording a loved one's voice, their life story, a sit down conversation with myself, then check out atticboxaudio.co.uk. Now onto the podcast, talking Cheltenham Town and sports journalism, with great journalist and now increasingly a good friend, actually, John Palmer. Here he is, the one and only. John Palmer, welcome back to the podcast. What a time to, to speak. We had Wade Elliott on last week after one of the lows of, of Cheltenham's recent history. And now it's, the feeling's up again, is it? The pendulum swung. Yeah, I think Wade, if you chatted to Wade this week, he'd be a little bit happier. But it was it just shows how ridiculous football is, doesn't it? To, yeah. See Cheltenham lose to a team from four divisions below. Then they go to a team in the same division, but really not in the same division, in Ipswich. 17,000 season tickets, former UEFA Cup winners. Uh, we look at the size of the ground and 25,000 plus turning up. And, and to get a point, you could argue that's one of Cheltenham's best results. When yeah. you look at the players they are missing and the, the form Ipswich have been in. So contrast the two Saturdays and it just shows why probably why we do love chatting about football and why we love watching football. It puts in context what level League One is, isn't it? Obviously some smaller clubs in there but when you put that into that's a Premier League side in lots of ways the attendances the following the history Ipswich yeah Sunderland have gone up to the Championship and they're doing well mm. you know, no, nobody would have expected Sunderland to go up to the Championship and struggle but they did have a couple of years battling to get out of League One there is the ex-Premier League boys that have got all the, the history and the money and the budget and the and some of the players in the Ipswich team I'm sure could go into some good Championship teams Yeah, and the players that have on the bench as well and then you've got the the scrappers, the, <laughs> the, the, the clubs that have come from non-league like Fleetwood, Burton, Forest Green, Cheltenham. And then you've got a few that are in the middle, but mostly that I think there is a gulf between the... Well, the ones in the middle feel like it's they're kind of level, do they? They're almost established as yeah. much as you can be in, in the pyramid. Yeah, but there's not that many that are either not just happy to be in there or, mm. or, should, or feel that it should be higher. There's, there seems to be most clubs will fit into one of those two brackets. Yeah. Um, and Cheltenham obviously... Are, it, I said on Saturday before the game at Ipswich, it feels like Cheltenham are on holiday in League One. But obviously they want it to, 
to last for as long as possible. <laughs> but it does feel like unless something dramatic changes investment wise or they mm. sell a player for massive money, uh, they it's always going to be a battle for them to be in there. What would it take, like an owner coming in with a lot of money to redevelop the ground, increase the, the capacity, that kind of thing? Although they're not maxing out at the moment, are they? No, they're not filling the ground, but I think it would take some serious investment in the ground to bring in some extra revenue on a regular basis, which some clubs have done really well. Burton had a little yeah. little dabble with the championship, Pirelli. probably largely because of the facilities they got and the, the, the corporate hospitality and the events they have during the week. They had Yeovil have been in the championship mm. as well. So that, that could help. Somebody could invest some money. There are some people on, on major shareholders at the club that have got some serious financial clout, but I, I never think people should just check their money in because it's quite an <laughs> easy way to they, lose they, money. They're usually good at making money, aren't they? Exactly. That's the thing that they've got it, yeah. You, Cheltenham lost um, a lot of money during the pandemic, but they recovered it probably because of the FA Cup run. Yeah. If, they had, if they'd had an FA Cup run this season, that would have helped them maybe in January invest a little bit more. Sadly, that's not going to happen now, but... Sell a player for big money. The the model Cheltenham have gone down now is, which you chatted with Wade mm. about, giving lads a chance. He he spoke about the team being excellent in 50 or 60 games' time. Yeah. There are already some that are starting to show that they could potentially be get, a major asset for the club. Potential, like yeah. very good potential, but not yet realised in terms of proof on paper. Yeah, and Lewis Freestone's a great example of that. He, he was probably being questioned a bit last season, playing second fiddle to Will Boyle. Mm. But this season he's been... Imperious, and that's the sort of player that Cheltenham could pick up from a bigger club, polish up, and maybe sell on. There's no point in them getting in the queue for all the big name players at mm. this level. They're never going to be able to persuade somebody to come to Cheltenham for yeah. the wages they're offering. Yeah, Luke Varney was a one of the genius signings of Michael Duff because probably he just had fallen out of the game. He didn't have a club. Michael Duff knew what type of character was and how fit he still was, and that that was a genius signing. But that's not easy to pull off no. every season. So I think yeah, he's a, quite a unique character. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an it's it's a fascinating one, isn't it? What was the the body language like of the players when they came out talking about the inexperience? Because Wade talked about that, and he didn't talk about it in a, a negative way, but just realistically about the situation they faced against non league Alf Church and how perhaps that restricted them and repressed them. That pressure that was on them as the the favourites. Did you notice a, a lightning, a lifting of that against Ipswich? It's, it was it was painful to watch against Alf Church. So I think it did freeze a little bit. Mm. Be, being expected to win is something that Cheltenham not really had for the last couple of years in League 2 they had it but there were no crowds there when they won the league Yeah, the pressure wasn't really on and, the, and obviously they, they, they ground out results and won the league which was an amazing achievement but for the last season and a quarter or season and a third they've been up against it probably set up to, to grind out a result mm. uh, some, so it's a, it's a big switch of mindset yeah then. some people might think they need, need, need it to be a bit positive in some games this season but I can understand why there's that mindset of keep it solid first and, and Wade has improved the defensive side of the team this season and then see what you can do going forward but Alf Church you could see the players fear and the the when the first goal went in which was an individual error you could see them some of them starting to wilt it, mm. it was a worrying sign and a, and a worrying performance because they, they didn't seem to handle the pressure well of having having a, a noisy away following of about 1500 there was about 3000 Cheltenham fans and they did seem to struggle with that expectation of of going out there and winning the game, and when it went to two 0 it was mm. the atmosphere turned a little bit. Um, but I did, I, I do think Half Church deserved to win the game. Ipswich was one of the most one sided games I've ever seen <laughs> in you know in any any level of football. And when it went one nil after eight minutes, I did fear the worst. Mm. But I think that that really showed some character 
to, to, to dig out a result there, to, to score on the first attack, nearly go 2-1 up a couple of minutes later, which would have been unbelievable to go 2-1 up. And Ipswich had, done all, Ipswich had the ball in the Chatham half for pretty much all the first half, apart from those two attacks. Yeah. And then in the second half, it was attack against defence. Cheltenham, I mean, the only shot I can really remember was one from Liam Sercombe on the halfway line that went out for a throw-in. <laughs> and it was it was just clear the ball, get, get back into shape, yeah. soak up the pressure. Goalkeeper had a great game, Luke Southwood. All the back three were chucking themselves in the way of everything. <laughs> so there, there were some couple of fortunate moments where it just looked easier for Ipswich to score than to miss, but the defensive effort was, was brilliant. And that shows... Those characteristics, I think, are going to be really possibly more important this season than some of the ones they maybe were lacking against Alfred yeah. if they're going to survive. It's also the beauty of, of football that we've talked about in the past, including the, the Manchester City game where Cheltenham pushed them to the 80th minute in front with a goal from Alfie May, I think January 2021, wasn't it? And it, it shows you that the reason I think it is a global sport and we're coming up to the World Cup is that there's never a foregone conclusion, whereas perhaps you could argue there are upsets in other sports like rugby, but they're fewer and far between than they are in football because of the nature of the low-scoring aspect of the game. That You can nick a goal and then and get everyone behind the ball. Yeah, every time there's an FA Cup first round or third round, you see all the old, mm. the old classic moments. And yeah. It's, it's what, what people love about football. And so many people are quite good at playing it as well, aren't they? Even beyond the four divisions, that's the reality. Every, a lot of kids play football. Yeah, the standard of that, that Southern League Premier Division that Alfredshire are in, there are a lot of players in there that... It's a very fine line between those that have made it, mm. those that may be on the bench for a professional club or those that have slipped through the net and just missed out, maybe due to an injury, maybe due to maybe not being as committed or professional as they could have been at a certain point yeah. in their career. But there's a lot of talent in that league. And I, I love watching Southern League, Hellenic League games. And it's not just a park pub game. You know, It's actually quite a decent standard of football still. What do, what's the it's interesting reaction to what Wade's conversation with me I think a lot of people say oh he's a nice guy but I think there's a, a sense that they want a kind of sometimes a more tub thumping animated kind of character which which he isn't he's more of a cerebral guy in terms of analysing the game he's very composed very much keeping an, an equilibrium and we were talking maybe before that there's a, a difficulty with a, a contrast with Michael Duff in terms of styles That is that an issue for the fans do you think sometimes yeah I think sometimes he pays the price for not, not being the same as Michael Duff if Michael Duff was in charge of Cheltenham now I think he'd be going through some of the same struggles on mm. the pitch because it is difficult to keep Cheltenham Town in League 1 you could put one of the top Premier League managers in, in charge of Cheltenham with the budget Cheltenham got it wouldn't be easy Yeah, and, but he's a very different personality he, he, I think he deserves a bit more credit for, for the part he played in the success under Duff I think fans maybe forget that he was a big part of that. He came in after the Perth semi-final defeat. So he was first-team coach during the title win mm. and the highest ever finish. Duff moved on, partly because he got a good offer at a, a good club in yep. League One that he thinks he could probably get out of League One. But also, I think he knew how difficult it was going to be to to repeat what he did last season. It is amazing. stepping stones in football management, isn't it? There's no, yeah. you can't, there's no coasting or, or kind of credit. Your credit only lasts for a very short time relatively compared to most careers. Yeah, and Duff probably... Had a little bit of leeway at the start because of his playing days at Cheltenham. He he was here. He left a hero. Mm. He, he was one of the club's greatest players of all time and the best player probably ever to come through Cheltenham's youth system to go on to play international football in the Premier League. So Wade obviously hasn't got the that attachment as a player, but I think he deserves a bit more credit for what he did as mm. part of the coaching team. And I think seventeen games in, five points clear of the relegation zone with the game in hand on four of the teams below. I think. If you asked any Cheltenham fan in, in the summer whether, whether they would take that, I think most would. It's just a shame that the EFL Cup exit to Exeter 7-0, bad. The, the 
the FA Cup exit humiliating. Mm-hmm. I think that's if you look at the league form, it's been a win and two draws since the Burton game, which was probably the worst performance in the league this season. Yeah. The, the away form has been a struggle, but the home form has been fairly solid, apart it, from the FA Cup. It, it's a difficult one as well, because I had this conversation, I had a, a couple of messages with Mark Halliwell talking about the emotional reaction from the fans, and you can't really criticise fans' emotions, because ultimately professional sport, particularly football, is founded upon emotion and care, the fact you're going to pay for something that week in, week out, regardless that you invest in it, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotional commitment, a lot of money often as well. But there is that sense, I think, working in the journal- journalism, you sort of, because you're around other football fans all the time, you, you learn a sort of emotional containment and sort of a lack of maybe sometimes passion. But So it's, it's difficult to assess, but it, it's, a, it's a difficult one to say, what do you say to Cheltenham fans? Do you say, compose yourself for a few weeks and, and try and put those results out of your mind and take stock at, 21 games 23 games in whatever it is and halfway through the season I don't know what, what's your thoughts because you're obviously a Cheltenham fan but you've you've learned to presumably temper your your passions yeah I don't really like telling fans how they shouldn't they shouldn't think but I wrote an opinion piece after the Burton game when it, it got a bit nasty after the game saying that it's early days give it a bit more time there needs to be a little bit of realism in there but I, I wouldn't criticize any fan for if, mm. if you pay money to go to Ipswich and you want to have a bit of a moan, then it's up to you. But I, the one thing that disappointed me slightly was, I can understand the frustration of the Alf Church game. It was it was terrible and probably will go down as one of the worst worst results mm. Cheltenham have had. So definitely the worst FA Cup result. But but why would you go to Ipswich, um, you know, a club that probably belong in the Premier League if not high Championship, twenty five thousand people there, seventeen thousand season tickets. They spent more on players in the summer than Cheltenham's budget is for this season. Why would you go there and boo way before the game? Mm. That's that, I don't really understand that. It's counter, hard enough. Counter, counterproductive. It's hard enough if everybody's together. It gives you a chance, but it's hard. You know, you don't want to hear boos before a game. If Chapman had gone to Ipswich and lost mm. five or six nil, then albeit, you know, I totally understand if there'd be a bit of booing after the game, <laughs> even though that's still yeah. almost par to get thumped <laughs> at Ipswich is almost par really. But I think I don't understand why you go to Ipswich specifically to call for the manager to be sacked mm. Get, wait to see what happens on the pitch because what, what I saw on the pitch on Saturday shows me that the players are very much playing for Wade yes. they're, they're responding to him they're giving everything for him there's a lot of work to be done a lot of improvements to be made because there will be games at home where they need to go and take the game to the opposition and there's a bit of pressure on Saturday's game against Wickham now mm. where you've just got a good result at Forest Green on Saturday but don't, you know, why would you travel all that distance to Ipswich and, and and call for the manager to be sacked before the a ball's even been kicked. Yeah, what is that? A seven hour drive or something? Something like that. And <laughs> did Cheltenham work so hard to get there? You know, yeah. a combined effort of, of everybody over the last few years to go from the bottom of League Two into League One so Cheltenham could go to places like Sunderland, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Doesn't doesn't mean you because I, I mentioned earlier it feels like you're on holiday, it doesn't mean you have to just turn up and be nice and be a tourist and get battered every everywhere you go, but but there needs to be a bit of a realistic look. The, the longer you stay there, presumably, the, the bigger the foundations become that if relegation to League 2 does happen, that, that League 1 becomes more accessible again more quickly, which is what you see in the Premier League, don't you, with some clubs like Burnley that have dipped down but then come back and re-establish themselves and are trying to do the same thing again. Yeah, the, the, the worrying thing, I think, if Cheltenham got relegated, it, they wouldn't suddenly be one of the favourites to come back up. Mm. They've never been a big club in League 2. So I... I I might get criticised for being negative here, but I do think in the future, Cheltenham fans will look back on this as the golden period for the club, where they were playing against people like Ipswich, Sunderland, Sheffield. More Wednesday. so than the the previous times they've been in League One. 
Yeah, I think so because fifteenth finished fifteenth, yeah. and to to have beaten Sunderland at home, to, to have beaten Ipswich at home. I mean, there was a great result, home and away win over Leeds in two thousand seven eight, but I think this with the Man City game, the title win, first EFL title win, this will be reflected on as one of the great periods in the club history, and I think some people are, are not realizing yeah. how good it is. At done on a shoestring, really, relatively. Yeah. Don't don't sleepwalk through the best period in the club's history because you think they should be higher in League One or that obviously shouldn't have gone like the FA Cup to half church, but there needs to be a degree of realism and Cheltenham have never been a big club in League Two. Mm. So and it, it's interesting talking about Wade because superficially on the surface he isn't like Michael Duff. The personality is different, like the language and the and the kind of energy you get from him is different. It's more more of a kind of cerebral objective guy, I think, in, in some ways. Not that, that Michael's not a thinker. But actually, when you look at his CV and you look at potentially the empathy he has for these players, someone that made it late, went to university, came from non-league with Bashley, ended up at Bournemouth, ended up all the way up in the Premier League and played Europe, as he was saying last week, with Birmingham City, which I'd, I'd actually forgotten. He, he is a good guy for realising potential, isn't he? Because he realised it himself after a, a slow start. Yeah, he's, there are some similarities with, with his, his journey. It's Michael's, Michael's journey from Southern League to Premier League. And I think he, he, comes, he comes into the job with more qualifications than Michael does because Michael had done a bit of coaching at Burnley. He'd done it, I think he did a year with the under-18s, mm. a year with the 23s. He was just starting to get involved with Sean Dyche's first team coaching staff when he got off with the Cheltenham job. But Wade's been caretaker manager at Bristol City and done the 21s at Bristol City. He's done some coaching at Forest Green when they are in league, when they were trying to get into League Two. He's done some coaching for, for a few years at Stoke, yeah. 23s. He's got his pro licence. He's played at the top level played in Europe he comes in with a bit more and he's obviously done a couple of years at Cheltenham's first team coach before he's taken the head coach role but it is a big step up Every he'll be feeling you know every everything now will feel a lot more stressful I think because he's as he said after the Elfchurch game he's in the firing line he's the one who's going to get the stick yeah but he, he was a big part of the Duff success mm. and like I'll repeat myself if, if Duff was manager now I don't think people would be calling for him to be sacked no. After 17 no, games. With the same yeah. same numbers. Yeah, but it's the same challenge for Wade, if not harder. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's also the roundedness, which again, we, you know, we understand the emotional pull of just you want results, you want, you want that sort of emotional need to be satisfied as a football fan. But in the, in the context, this is, this is also a guy who's, who's a single parent half the week, isn't he? So he's got responsibilities around it. So he can't, I suppose, I don't know, it's a, it's a difficult one. You just have to, to understand that he's doing his best, I suppose, everything he's got. Yeah, I think there there is a human side of it. Mm. Um, it's not. I, I saw some scenes from Forest Green Wickham after the weekend, and it's, it was quite ugly there. And I think Ian Birchnell's come up from Notts County, taken over when the manager's gone. Three or four of the best players have gone at Forest Green, and it's, it's some quite nasty personal insults being chucked at mm. him. What what do Forest Green fans expect? I mean, they've they've got budget that, that should allow them to survive the budget's bigger than Cheltenham but it's certainly not one of the bigger ones in the division he needs time you know he can't I don't I, I don't think I, I just think people often patience pays off yeah just changing a manager every 10 or 15 games isn't going to get you where you want to be it's funny when clubs clubs hold out for whatever reason whether Leicester City and the Premier League have done so because of financial constraints of the, the pandemic hitting them hard because they you know business in duty free and obviously that was Help, that was completely non-existent during the, the lockdowns, etc. But they have, and now there's no one calling for Brendan Rodgers' head, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can turn very quickly. And 10 games into Michael Duff's reign, he hadn't won a league game. 
So four years ago at this point, Cheltenham were, were in the League 2 relegation zone, hadn't won for nine or ten games, drew with Ebsfleet in the FA Cup. They did win the replay, so they got through and um, and negotiated a tricky one because that was a National League team. But the league form, Cheltenham looked like they were heading to the National League again. Mm. Now they are in with a good chance. It's going to be tough, but they're in with a good chance of staying in League, two, league 1 again. It's only their third spell in there. The first spell lasted one season. The second spell lasted two decent seasons and one terrible season. So if they stay up this season, they've equaled their longest reign in the longest spell in League One. Yeah. It's not easy. And whether it gets harder or more difficult, the longer you stay in there, I think the the away attendance is obviously higher. You get a bit more money for being in League One, but you're trying to sign League One players mm. with probably a League Two budget. Um. Charlton did quite well to keep most of their key players when they came up, apart from Toza. Yeah. Most, yeah, Boyle was there. And, yeah, Rexon didn't they? Yeah. yeah. But when a few more of them left at the end of last season, it feels like the end of the, the cycle. It felt like mm. the end of that little period that they built, they achieved something, and a few people moved on. Now they feel like they're starting again now. And that's inevitable. There's always going to be a sting in the tail because, as we said, you're realising potential. But when that potential is realised, you can't remunerate the players with their elevated status so you're kind of helping each other but you know there's always going to be a parting of the ways if these guys are going to cement their family in terms of their financial health and things like that it's, it's, it's inevitable that people like Will Boyle who thankfully we're talking is, is seemingly playing by the field lately yeah. which is great Yeah. so there could be some questions about the recruitment this season but you, it's a lot easier to keep the players that get you into League One than it is to go out and sign players that have had two yeah. or three hundred games in League One so one or two at the moment that came in the summer haven't really made an impact and they, they might not some of them might come good, but I, I just think use Lewis Freestone as an example again of, of one or two seasons ago, he was getting a lot of stick. Mm. His liability is not good enough. He's, he's never going to be in the first team if he is, we're in trouble. Now he's, although he's suspended for Saturday. So was that Michael then Wade taking a position that they had a belief in and the, the, yeah. they were seeing things that we didn't see or the fans didn't see? Yeah, again, you can't, you can't, um, you, you wouldn't go down too well if somebody like Michael or Wade come out and said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. But, they don't make these decisions for fun. They they see them every every day in, in training. They know what the potential is. They know what the character is. Yeah. They know what they're capable of. <clears throat> There's one or two now that maybe have struggled to make an impact in the first third of this season. But I think one or two of them could still come good. There's there's a couple that, that always seem to be singled out for stick. Mm. But look at Freestone. I remember Josh Griffiths on loan from West Brom during the title winning season when, I, when unfortunately everyone was having to watch the games from, from yeah. afar. Even he was getting some stick. Yeah. He's one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen at the club. He did yeah. make a couple of mistakes, but he brushed them off very quickly. And I think the goal, the, the one um, from the goal kick. Yeah, yeah Wade so, yeah. talked about that, didn't yeah. he? So, but he said his personality is very much someone yeah. who can stay in the moment and, and move on. Rock solid temperament, and I think Michael Duff had that. Mm. So he didn't, he didn't let it affect him when he got released by several clubs. He clawed his way back up. I think Freestone has got that, that mental toughness, mm. and I think there's some other ones that if if. Um, the club and the coaches didn't see that in them they would have they would have sometimes you need a bit of help to foster that toughness as well don't you just someone to say to you stay the course or, or give you an example of like Michael Duff of someone that's rebounded and, and kind of rebuilt yeah when Cheltenham went up to Sheffield Wednesday earlier this season I, I looked at the average age because Wednesday have got bags of experience Barry mm. Bannon widely regarded as the best player in the division yeah is into his 30s I worked out the average age their, their average uh, starting 11 was 30 Cheltenham's was just under 24 I think yeah, and that shows you they can go out and get players that've been there, done it, played in the Premier League, got hundreds of games under their belt at the level. You look at Cheltenham, Circum they signed in League Two, but he's probably is a League One player. I think that mm. was a brilliant signing. He's one of the first names on the team sheet for me. 
But apart from that, a lot of them have had a little go at League One and maybe not quite cut it earlier in their careers. And now they're getting another chance. Some of them have, are playing at it at the level for the first time and just adjusting. Um, so give them a chance. I do. I do agree with Wade that the team will be very good in a few games' time. And obviously, fans aren't interested in that. They <laughs> no. want the team to be good on no, Saturday. And they're paying their money to go to yeah. Ipswich and you know, it's their weekend or their night, whatever it is. Yeah, totally understand that. You're not going to get a fan after a defeat to Alfred saying, don't worry, we'll be finding it in a couple of years' time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I do I do see what I do see the thinking behind it, the plan of get the players in, make them ready, rather than bringing in ready-made mm. League One players. And it, and it hopefully it'll work. Because if you just try and claw your way, it's happened in the past to Cheltenham, if you try and push the boat out and sign really expensive, relatively for Cheltenham, expensive players on big wages, it doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, it's acknowledging that you're in perpetual flux. So if you have a good period, like you're saying, of a year or so, then that's actually something to savour. Whereas, in contrast, you talk about Wednesday, presumably Barry Bannon may have had offers from the Championship, but he's got a, a secure package at Sheffield Wednesday. They can afford to pay a lot. And it's a, it's a different foundation that they can build, Darren Moore or whatever, can build at that club. Yeah. Go, go back 20 years. Uh, 20 years ago, this season, it would have been Cheltenham's... Um last season under Steve Cottrell and they were heading for promotion sorry they, they got promoted in 0102. so 20 years ago it would have been the start of the first season ever in, in League One level and Graham Olner was manager and Steve Cottrell knew that he, he had to get out mm. because he, he'd, he'd had a brilliant period of success but the average age would have been very high then and a lot of them were coming to the end of their careers still some very good players but I think he knew it had come to the end of the cycle Yeah, Graham Olner took over um, he'd been part of the first team coaching staff he was sacked in January and then Bobby Gould came in and Cheltenham got relegated. When John Ward got Cheltenham into League One, they promoted Keith Downing from assistant manager to first team manager after Ward moved on to Carlisle. Yeah. So Cottrell went up to Stoke, Ward went on to Carlisle, Duff's gone on to Barnsley. All three, three of the best managers Cheltenham have ever had have been replaced by their either their first team coach or assistant yeah. manager. Downing did an incredible job to keep Cheltenham up in their second season in League One, that, that spell. He got sacked six six games into the, the third season. Martin Allen came in. Oh yeah. And as you know, it few, didn't go well. Few dramatic scenes, yeah. And they went from having quite a good League One period of a couple of seasons where they finished seventeenth and nineteenth. Within a, within eighteen months they were looking like they were gonna get relegated to the National League. So it can go very wrong very quickly if mm. you're not careful. Yeah, it is. Well, what about that, that continuity? What have you noticed maybe in the past, but in this specific instance, Duff to Elliot in terms of what he's kept technically, tactically motivationally what he's tweaked what he's what he's done differently same formation really in terms of the back three always always a back three although Ipswich was back five even with different people changing and Boyle leaving and it's just yeah. kept yeah yeah so they, they've since probably a couple of months into Duff's reign they have been 3-5-2 and they've recruited for 3-5-2 so they, they, wouldn't, oh, okay. they don't sign what, what you would describe as an out and out winger they will sign somebody they think can play a wing back they will sign centre-halves that are more comfortable in a three than a two. Yeah, so I think I think Boyle, uh, Raglan, Toza that had great back three, I think they could have played in a two, but they just worked really well together mm. as a three, and it's been... So that when uh, Toza left, Pollock came in as a replacement. Pollock's now gone because his loan ended. Caleb Taylor's come in as a replacement. Boyle's gone. Freestone has stepped in as a replacement. Tom Bradbury came in from Halifax. He's the one, one of the ones that might come good, but he hasn't really had much of a, an impact yet. So they're recruiting for the same formation. The front end of the team, I would say, has changed slightly. Duff would nearly always, certainly during the, the title win, would play two deeper midfielders and one 
just in behind the front two. It was definitely a front two. Yeah. Sometimes it would be one sitter and two sort of number eight type Is Alfie May always in the two or is he sometimes? May May has played as a number ten. Yeah. But more often as one of the two centre mm. forwards. So there was a Duff's only real tactical change. I mean, there was one or two times where he would experiment with the diamond but didn't in the back forward, it didn't really work. So it was the only real variation with Duff was either one sitting midfielder and two more attacking or two defensive midfielders and one number 10. That was based on the strength of the opposition, was it? Yeah, partly due to the game, partly due to Callum Wright being a yeah. born number 10. Ryan Broom before that in the playoff season. How's really... Callum Wright getting on this season? I think, he's, I think he's doing quite well. Yeah. He's got himself into the team. Cool. He's, he belongs in the championship. Brilliant, mm. brilliant player. And um, good move for him. Yeah. Because um, I, don't, I don't really think he was going to break into Leicester's first team. So I think it's, it's been a good move for him. So Wade has come in for a bit of flat this season for playing one centre forward with two number 10s. Okay. Which some people say, well, why are we only playing one up front against Alfchurch? But Wade would probably say, well, it's actually pretty much when you've got the ball, three up front. Mm. So it's not that there's just one person standing up They've front. They've got a licence to go forward. Yeah. Indefinitely, yeah. So he he would probably say, well, the number 10s are effectively supporting strikers, but it does... It and Alfie May's been out, obviously, which how significant has that been? Yeah, he came, he tried to, to come back. I think he did every, He did everything in his power to get back early, and I think he's had a little bit of reaction after the... Um, so he came on against Alfchurch because they needed him. Then he mm. played against Yate last Tuesday in a Gloucester Senior yeah. Cup game. Well, that must have been a relief that night to win that game after. I know Wade was... Because like, it was supposed yeah. to be a youth fixture, wasn't it? They were going to have a youth team play, yeah. and then it, for a sort of collection of fixture issues it couldn't be that was a night where I think the humiliation could have got worse but, mm. if, but they couldn't really win if they won the game or well, should have, should have won the game so it was just a game where they had to avoid suffering any further embarrassment yeah. by losing to the eight so they put out a team of pros but you know the fringe players or the players that haven't played much football recently and I can understand why May played because the plan was probably to get him a few minutes mm-hmm. and then hopefully be in contention for the Ipswich game but obviously he had a reaction and Wade has come in for some stick for, for playing him in that game. But you can't go from a couple of minutes against Alvechurch to starting against Ipswich. So I can understand why they, they it's better than a training session. There's always going to be a bit of a risk and he, he is still ahead of schedule. In terms what, what's of what the issue? Back. It's an ankle ligament injury. Okay. So he, he played really well against Shrewsbury, went down towards the end of the game and he thought he'd broken it. Mm. He thought he'd broken his ankle, had a scan, wasn't as bad as expected, but it was just a bit of ligament damage. It's hard to gauge that until you're actually back playing as well. Yeah, it was given a predicted eight to ten weeks out. I think this was at the start of October, so he's, if he he's close, it's not a major setback. Well ahead of schedule, yeah. So he was he was very very um, ahead of schedule. Now I think he's going to be. It's a shame that he couldn't play against Ipswich, but you know even if so Cheltenham had about five potential starters missing against Ipswich, mm. you put those five in, and it would have been the same sort of game, backs <laughs> to the wall. You know everybody behind the ball trying to soak up the pressure, so. It just makes the achievement look more remarkable because five players who might have started were out. Yeah. But I'd rather have May available for Wickham at home than Ipswich away. He seems to have that knack of just scoring goals in, in big games. to see a bit of composure. Yeah. He's, he's matured. He's, he knows that he's got interest from a higher level. Mm. He's desperate to play at a higher level. He's 29 now. It probably needs to happen soon if it's going to happen. But he's really matured since he's signed for Cheltenham. He's, he's a leader now. He's, what, what level would that be? Championship? I think there's... Championship. Well, there was definitely championship interest on deadline day from Birmingham, Birmingham City, and it didn't happen. But if he if he scored a lot of goals first half of this season, it could happen in January. The injury might make people mm. doubt, but he he has still got a good good scoring record, and he's he's uh probably one of the most popular players with the fans. You know, he's got that connection with the fans. He's he's infectious. He's he's a bubbly character. He's he 
he gives it everything. You know, within seconds of going on against Southchurch, he was involved in a massive argument with <laughs> their players, the referee, every everybody. Yeah. He's, he's very passionate. Yeah. But but a positive influence. Whereas when he first came in, he he was always a likable character, and he's always been sort of common, comical and bubbly. And but I think he maybe didn't look after himself as much. Mm. I think he now is has turned Focus himself into a model yeah. pro. Maybe because he he can see that he he's capable of playing higher. He can see that window of time. Reducing, yeah. and that's the model that Wade talks about in terms of realizing that kind of professionalism yeah. in these the younger guys. Yeah, so it's, it goes down as a really good signing. I think they only paid about five thousand for him in in January of the playoff season when they lost to Northampton, mm. and he's been he's been brilliant. Club football league uh, record scorer, scored against Man City, probably one of the most famous goals in Cheltenham history. And yeah, top to his scoring achievements in League One last season for a team that were battling. To get twenty three in the league, twenty six in all competitions is, is an amazing achievement. And if he went to Man City, uh, Man City, Birmingham City, what would his how would his wage packet grow? Uh, <laughs> Just that because uh, people might be curious. I don't yeah, know. Well, yeah, you know Ronaldo's on half a million a week. I'm not saying that Birmingham are going to pay uh, Alfie <laughs> that, but he's um, foot, footballers are relatively well paid in League One, but it's but not for not when you consider how long their careers are. Yeah, it's it's not. No, no league two footballer, even probably at Sheffield Wednesday or Ipswich. They're going to have to have a second career. They're going to have to. They're going to be able to retire after a few years in League One, are they? So you, it's um, you've got to have a plan for afterwards. But this will be a chance for him to, and this is why I completely understand Ben Tozer going to Wrexham. Mm. He was in his thirties. He's probably got a few years left as a professional footballer. A team from two leagues below. That there's a lot of excitement. There's the Hollywood stuff. There's the, the documentary on. Apparently, yeah, yeah. The club, the club shops doing well off the off yeah. the Netflix documentary, yeah. yeah. And you know, fans. I, I totally understand why. Why would you drop two levels to go to Wrexham? But I think Tozer has more than doubled his salary, mm. um, and he's got family. Why? Why wouldn't? You, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, because if he wants to tr- retrain, he needs some money to retrain. He wants to start a business, whatever it might be. Yeah. He needs some capital. And watch out, the fans. I think needed to be aware of. Be disappointed that Tozer left, but Cheltenham only signed Tozer because they offered him more money than Newport did. Mm. So he's, is he greedy then? Is yeah. that all right then, is it, if yeah. you sign him because he's been greedy? And it's not all right if he then goes to another club to be greedy? Yeah, well, there, there, there are levels to this, isn't there? I think there's people expect a sort of discernment when someone is financially secure beyond their wildest dreams, which is why I think it's curious with the golf debate, with Live Golf, people coming out and saying, I'm getting more money for playing on the Live Golf series, whatever you think the rights and wrongs of it are. It's like, well... Yeah, but you've got four hundred million dollars in the bank. Yeah. It's like is, is money surely the greatest arbiter there? But when you're at a stage when mortgages are significant, you know what's going to happen to your kids' future, their university opportunities, whatever it might be, then it it is a real it's a real pressing concern, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what what Birmingham would be offering a week, but good championship club have been in the Premier League, probably not in a great position at the moment off the pitch, no. but they're they've probably done better than people expected so far this season. Yeah, and the Eustace yeah. seems to have turned yeah. up a bit. Yeah, not a million miles away from where he is at the moment in terms of because his family home is in Doncaster oh, right. he, he stays in Cheltenham does he tra- travel down to Doncaster every week does he bit, bit of um, commuting bit of staying down you know and he'll mm. go home when he can but uh, obviously he's been working harder than anyone during the injury he, he'll probably yeah. be in first in last hour at the training grounds and putting the extra hours in but it's not a, you know if you got offered a few extra quid to go to, to the 300 miles away you, <laughs> yeah. might, you might think twice about it but if you're going to get offered a huge rise to go to a club in the championship in the Midlands. No, nobody could begrudge him that. He does. He deserves it. Yes. Yeah. Boyle deserved the move to Huddersfield. He put his time in at Cheltenham. He'd improved himself. He earned that right. Mm. Yeah. And some people were actually surprised that he went from Cheltenham to Huddersfield. But he's six foot three, left footed, scores goals, 
A great character. There's potential to continue Sh- to improve. Shades of a championship Dan Byrne there, potentially, yeah. yeah. Well, Dan Byrne was playing for Yeovil a few years ago, and yeah. now he could be, you know, now he's getting talked about. I know he's not in the squad, but he's been talked about for, for England, true. isn't he? Yeah. Um, so Boyle, fair play to him, he deserved it. I, I, I don't criticise players who get a move to a high level, and I don't criticise Bentoza for looking after his family by getting a massive pay rise at Wrexham. Good, you, luck, good luck to him. Do you reckon we get Ryan Gosling to buy Cheltenham? Would that be the, the next <laughs> Hollywood star to get involved well, in English football? That could be a story. It's going to be interesting to see how far they can take it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because Reynolds at Wrexham, Gosling at Cheltenham. Yeah. Quite, yeah. <laughs> but they've, they've, got, they've got dreams to be in the Premier League, mm. as they call it. Yeah, Premier. But that, that's... There's some serious, serious money. Some of the richest people in the world are investing in the Premier League, aren't they? Yeah. You know, to get to get a team out of the National League, which is still proving quite difficult. It's still, it's still a questionable investment in a lot of instances, although what the Foxway, Fenway Sports Group, sorry, could do with Liverpool is pretty astounding, isn't it? Yeah. I think buying yeah. it for, what, 300,000 to 3 billion, potentially sell it or something else. Yeah. It, not 300,000, but 300 million was it, I think, yeah. to 3 billion, yeah. So what 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 are the Glazers doing? You know, there's, we, we could have a, a week-long chat, a debate mm-hmm. about what, what Premier League owners are up to and why they do it and why Abramovich bought Chelsea and why, mm. you know, what he was, what his obje- objectives were with that. But I, I like people like, you know, the guy at Accrington, the guy at Fleetwood, who who is doing it for the community. Mm. Never, never going to get that money back. It's not doing it as an investment. It's doing it as a, almost like a charitable. Yeah. And, and not necessarily doing it to get publicity either, doing it for the right reasons. Accrington have been mentioned in previous podcasts as well as a great a great sort of model uh, for how to, to get the best out of you know because they get quite small crowds but they've got mm. a good atmosphere around the ground they've improved the ground they've built some new facilities that feels like it's sort of a community hub and Cheltenham that's what Cheltenham have got to aim to do which they do some of it very well and they've definitely made strides in the right direction but the, the key thing is for Cheltenham is to get more people along on a regular basis the, the age old problem yeah Absolutely, and I think success breeds that as well. And a bit of stability, staying in the, in the division, will help. How, how do you feel, fifteenth of November, twenty twenty two? How confident are you that they'll stay up? I've said a few times that any any moment in the season, Charlton are outside the relegation zone. Wade Elliott's punching above his weight. He's doing a better job than mm. should be on paper. But budget wise, Cheltenham should be lower mid table lead two. So that doesn't mean that. They should accept that. They should accept getting relegated. It's possible for teams to overachieve if you run well and you. But you need the unity. You don't want to be turning up Ipswich and people calling for the manager to be sacked. Yeah. When it's one of the most daunting games in the club's history. That that was the second highest crowd to ever what, watch a Cheltenham what makes game. Ma- what makes club sack managers then from your experience covering Cheltenham at that level? Is it the fans' reaction or is it just the board taking an independent perspective on the results? If if every single fan is calling for the manager to be sacked or people aren't turning up to watch the games because okay. the manager's not popular, they so have to make a decision. Financial reality, yeah. But also on the other side of that, if, if fans are making the decisions, Lewis Freestone would be one of Chelsea's mm. best players now. Yeah. And that's happened with several players in the past. Fans are knowledgeable and they can see things like anyone else. You know, they can see things that are happening. They don't they don't get a totally uh, wrong picture of games. Yeah. So they can call a game and everyone knows. But it, but as fans ourselves, we know it's hard to be objective, isn't it? Because it it hurts if you're losing or it's hard to be sort of rational and, and write a pros and cons list and yeah. weigh it all up like we joked earlier you can't walk over to the fans after half church and say don't worry <laughs> next season will be yeah. good that's, yeah. that's, that's, but, but like, like I said I understand the thinking of buildings trying to build something sell players on to make it sustainable because unless somebody pumps some money in that's mm. the only way Cheltenham are going to be able to survive at this level otherwise it's, it's a matter of time before they get relegated Cheltenham seems to be getting bigger doesn't it I mean the traffic's more there's 
bigger developments around it, maybe that population swell will, will filter into the crowds. Yes, yeah, there's plenty of towns of a similar size to Cheltenham that have got a bigger fan base and a bigger football club. There's 120, 130,000 at the moment in Cheltenham. Decent catchment area, although you've got a few good clubs. Yeah. Not too far away, but I think you just want to see... When, when I walked around Ipswich Town Centre on Saturday morning, everywhere I looked was Ipswich. Shirts, mm. scarves, tracksuits, everybody was, was wearing, yeah. wearing blue. <clears throat> you walk through Cheltenham, you, know, you live near the town centre, you might see one or two. Yeah. But even on a match day, you don't see that much red no, and you white. No, you have to get past the sort of high street up towards sort of one area before you get that day. Yeah, so that's, that's the challenge. But the, not, not so much specifically League One, but just the fact that Cheltenham been in the Football League since 99. All but one season they've been in the Football League since 99. You'd, you'd like to think that kids that are at school now in Cheltenham have got a League One team. Yeah. When I was at school, Cheltenham were in the Southern Prem, or conference at best, and nobody really even knew that they had a football team. And actually, in a financial crisis, Premier League becomes games become less accessible, don't they, to most to most people? When you factor in travel and ticket prices, food prices, etc. There. Yeah. Give Give me a a live game in Gloucestershire, any over watching a game on telly in the Premier League, mm. or even you know even going to the Premier League. Do the World Cup would be good for the attendances, but will it because there's no Premier League happening? It's it's. Bit of an into the, into the unknown now, this one, mm. isn't it? Because it never happened before. I'm, I'm not sure whether more people will come and watch Cheltenham because there's no Premier League, hopefully. But yeah. it's, it's going to be a bizarre the games are sort weeks. of 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock is the, mm. the World Cup. So could potentially, unless it's a really exciting afternoon game. Cheltenham have to move one of their games to Friday night against Charlton because England's likely to be playing on the Saturday. So that... Likely. They've got a, <laughs> likely, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully yeah, yeah. Yeah. you never know, do you? But, um, I think yeah. it's a difficult group. The more, yeah. We're getting more and more stressed by it the closer we get. So Yeah, so I think that that's a bit of a shame for Cheltenham fans, but then there's a great gesture from one of the sponsors that are paying for the away travel. So at least, yeah. but, but still a lot of people might not be able to make it on a Friday that could have gone it's on It's the building Saturday. firm, isn't it? The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Should we mention them or not? Oh, who can I do? I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Selco have, yeah. have um, put some money in, which is a brilliant gesture, and it's, it's obviously good from the club to give fans free travel because it's a Friday night in South East London but you wouldn't yeah, have had to worry about that going to take a long time on a coach you? as well because I'm yeah. driving into Sky at West London on a, on a Friday it's you know, gridlock half the way so it's going to be interesting yeah. that, that journey but you wouldn't have had to worry about that in previous seasons moving uh, Cheltenham game because of winning the World Cup game no. it might have been the old qualifying game but even they don't even they're more strategically placed now mm. but I remember in the past there's been times where England have been kicking off pretty much when there's a Cheltenham game been on and it's that's probably going to because everybody Whatever you think of the World Cup, I still think people are going to... Yeah, it's also on terrestrial, terrestrial TV, so everyone yeah. can watch it. Yeah. So, 15, uh, 15, 20 million or whatever, which is kind of unique in modern media landscape as a journalist yeah. professor, isn't it? To get that concentration of people watching something at the same time. Nothing unites a country like sport. Mm. How's, the, how's the uni going? Because it seems the fo- football's back and running after the, the lockdowns. They've been thinking full, yeah. full stride there. Yeah, so um, we are just over a quarter of the way through the academic year. So we're just over halfway through the first term which runs up to Christmas and we've had really good really, we're really proud of our graduate outcomes so a lot mm. of our graduates that finished last uh, summer have gone into brilliant jobs yeah how, how many are doing beat sports reporting like you're doing so I, get, I mean I can talk you through some of the examples so we've got um, one covering Arsenal for the Athletic yeah. so that's brilliant. the beat report wow one, that's straight out of uni um, he went to Football London to cover Arsenal then he got the job at the Athletic so he's Three years out, three or four years out of uni now. That's pretty rapid rise, isn't yeah. it? That to be fair, that's a great gig. One who was the year below is covering Chelsea Football London. Bobby uh, doing doing a brilliant job. But Football London is what a video text. Football London service. is a reach website. Yeah, to reach 
uh, website that was created just to compete with the London papers covering all the Premier League and yeah. bit of Championship. And BBC London, London presumably as well. Yeah. yeah. So one Arsenal, one Chelsea. But then right down at the other end of the scale, one of our graduates who've been really proud of this season is covering Worcester, Worcester New Sports Editor. Oh, so his, his prim- primary um, clubs, obviously Worcester Warriors, locking in on. He's been absolutely on top of that all the way through, breaking stories, demanding answers, mm. brilliant coverage. And we're going to get him in to talk to our students soon about how he's got about How long has he been out? He graduated in 2019. Oh, fantastic. And he's been Worcester News Sports Editor since. So he, he, he covers Worcester City, Worcester yeah. Raiders, Malvern. Malvern, what town? He, he's really <laughs> sort of gone above and beyond with all the clubs in the area. But the way that he covered the Worcester Warriors wow. saga was brilliant. And I'm sure he will go on to bigger and better things. He's, he's sort of done his... He's had a great grounding at the Worcester News. And he's... he's very talented lad, Marcello. Um, that, go, go that, it's really interesting, actually, because those are sort of proper sports journalism where you're going out to games because actually Tim Abraham is on the podcast out this week, which I know you haven't listened to yet. This will go out next week, so it'll be sort of 20, uh, what it'll be 21st, I think this will go out, but this was Tim Abraham published last week as people listen to this, was talking about at University of Liverpool, John Moore's senior lecturer in journalism and sports journalism there, talking about the, the nature of things because he had an extremely kind of a nomadic job where he was covering the England cricket team around the world and for, for decades did a fantastic job. But he was saying that a lot of the jobs now fit a different portfolio of people who have kind of sat in a newsroom just writing copy for, for various platforms and outlets. And it's, it's interesting, I said to him, is that a different type of person you're appealing to there? It's, it's quite, because that's a change. But you're talking about people there who are doing actually tr- maybe a different platforms they're using, whether it's online versus newspapers, mm. but they're actually doing a traditional sports reporting job. Yeah, we've got two two recent graduates that have just become part of Reach, Reach's new women's football team. So they put a lot of investment into women's football. So um, they were working for Football London and the Liverpool Echo, respectively, but now yeah. they've gone into part of the women's football team. So they're going to be covering women's football, you know, everything to do with the WSL and below. So, But then we have got a huge group of students that have gone to work for clubs as well on the me- club media side of things. So yes. from Real Madrid all the way down to Gloucester City. And clubs, you know, what, what do you tell them, them about balance and objectivity? Because that's a hard conversation. No celebrating in the press box. Yeah, with, with, even if you're working for the club. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't like any celebrating in the press box. Certainly not as a journalist, but no. even from a club. Well, that'd be interesting during the World Cup, won't it? As well, because yeah. people sometimes get a bit carried away. Yeah, I, I would always, as a journalist, avoid using the word we. Yeah. But if you're working for the club, obviously you are part of the club. But we, but, uh, but you can still produce engaging, entertaining. Interesting. So what, what did you do content. when Cheltenham, even now when Cheltenham scored, did you just keep poker faced? Yeah, I, I don't celebrate. I, I, if I if I celebrated a goal, I would be going against everything I tell the students. So I I will just my my first instinct is to describe the goal in my live blog. Yeah. Get it on Twitter, get it out there. Do you think it devalues your credibility if you're too emotional? It's a difficult one because there's no point in trying to hide the fact that you support the club. But mm. I think and I think you need to retain the passion of a fan, but also have the maybe sometimes take a step back and try and look at it from a from a journalistic point of view. So it's a bit of a balancing act. But I, I will there might there might come a time where I think that it's time for Wade Elliott to go if if, mm. if results continue mm-hmm. to go like they were yeah. in Burton or Alfchurch. But you want that to be a considered conclusion. But I I don't think it's anywhere near that point yet. And uh, I think it's my job to try and justify why I think that way. Rather than just because that was I think, a rubbish result. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, the fans. I don't pay to get in. You know, I, I, no. I, and I don't think I've got the right to tell tell fans how they should behave at games. I just, but I'm also allowed to say that I thought the the chance at Ipswich before the game were disappointing. Mm-hmm. 
because it's a yeah. difficult, difficult enough task already and I don't think it, it's re- it, he deserves that yet. And those kids going into, young men and women going into those jobs at clubs, what do you advise them on, on how rigorous they are in their questioning of managers and in-house staff if, if things aren't going right, etc.? How, how truthful do they have to be in their approach to it? I think fans can see through the, the hot air and waffle and you can't pull the wool over fans' eyes. You can't do an yeah. interview with somebody pretending everything's fine if results are tough. You do see a few of those circulate, don't you? Of yeah. like press officers interviewing people where it's yeah. like they've lost Pointless. 10-0 and for the Pointless. fifth game in a row and it's, everything's okay. I think there are certain ways you can go about it, ways you can approach the questions, ways you can highlight certain things. that You, know, you, you might go down the route of Cheltenham trying to highlight what their long-term ideas are. Like we said earlier, it's not going to appease people after an Alstrich mm. result, but they might be able to... Michael Duff used to use the phrase quite a lot, bigger picture thinking. Yeah. It's not just about the last couple of results. It's about... And if you ask why, how, what, without sort of venom attached to it, actually you prompt them to come up with answers, don't you? Rather than, I think sometimes you can be the other way, too combative, and then they close down. What, what I really do think is that if you, whether the results are good or bad, if you bring out the player, if you're working within the club, if you bring out the players' personalities, you show how hard they're working, you give insight, you give a fly on the wall, somewhere where the fans can't normally go. Mm. Give them an opportunity. Buy into it and connect with the players, connect with the manager, and then it might give you that little bit more of a leeway when things aren't testing. I suppose in the full analysis of a manager in particular, you give them the opportunity to hear his or hers full rounded perspective on what's going on and then you can judge. Whereas if you're doing powder puff interviews or for an external media viewer, overly acerbic where the manager shuts down you don't get this you don't get a full rounded view which is what the whole point of the media is as a conduit to the fans isn't it I suppose yeah. an insight the, the, the podcast with Wade Elliott was a great chance to have an in-depth listen to what he's what, how he's thinking and what's going through his mind and how he's going about the job and the challenges that he faces and he, he's very passionate on the touchline um, although he's different to Michael as a person he's very passionate on the touchline he's never going to quit mm. but when he comes out for an interview I think he he goes away and composes himself for a little bit he comes out tries to give thoughtful, measured answers that aren't rash. Yeah. But I think when you actually get a chance to listen to him talk for an hour or so, I think you're going to take a lot more away from it. I think there was... Well, that's what in-house media could do as well, actually, yeah. is give a more considered... Ask some tough questions over a longer period of time when people open up, because that's the difficulty in press conferences. Sometimes they're just non-productive. If people yeah. throw, are you under pressure at someone or whatever, yeah. you know, how long till you get sacked? The managers are going to, they're not going to be forthright in giving you a lot. You don't want, you don't want to, as an in-house media you don't want to ask questions that are going to put the manager on the back foot straight away but you've got you can you can stage manage it to a certain extent yeah. but you can't completely fabricate the, no. the reality of the situation so I think there is a balance there but it's you still need to do a bit of that as a, as a beat journalist you can't you can't go in and ham, ham, hammer somebody with the first question if you've got to speak to them day, day in day out but you still have to ask the difficult questions and and tell things how they are. It's a, it's a subtle Honestly. art. It's about it's about energy, tone of voice, body body length. There's a whole raft of things about how yeah. you do it to get someone at ease, isn't it? And I think that's actually through podcasting is for me has been a good evolution of, of that art of conversation. Yeah, it's about relationships. Um, we've spent a lot of our time talking about how important contacts are, but not not just know, knowing who somebody is, but being able to get hold of them and, and get quotes from them and get yeah get them get hold get and know that you're going to be able to get a, a decent story or decent quotes from them because they trust you mm. to do to do to produce a fair reflection of what's been said 
And 99% of the time, how important is it to remember that managers and players are trying to win as well? Very few are actually yeah. lackadaisical. And sometimes it looks like they're not doing anything on the training ground, but they probably have been. It's just a confidence issue or, or, or wrong decisions. Yeah. In 20 years covering Cheltenham, there have been times where I've been thinking, what is going on here? What's this man? The, player, the players are saying things to me, whispering, mm. saying, what's this bloke doing? And that's when you know you've got a serious issue. There's none of that at the mm. moment. It's... it's, it's Miles away from that. The players are together. They're, they all want to do well for the manager. They're committed. If you've got that, which Cheltenham didn't have in 2008-09 when they finished mm. bottom of, when they finished second bottom of League One under Martin Allen and almost went into administration, it was, a, it was an absolute Sunday League type side at the time. It's now a world away from that. Now, that doesn't, results haven't all been brilliant and it hasn't all been smooth this season, but it's, it's together. The camp is good. It's professionally run. The standards are high that's what's going to give Cheltenham the best chance of staying up. Well, let's hope when people listen to this, there's been a good result against Wickham in the meantime. But John yeah, could Otherwise, s- ignore everything I've said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It could go, could go one of many different yeah. ways, couldn't it? Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that result goes. Uh, but thank you for, for coming over. I really appreciate it. a busy schedule of covering the team and, and working at the university. Always John Palmer Sports, good way to keep up with the club, isn't it? And, and then get the links to the stories as well for Gloucestershire Live. Yeah, if anyone's interested, yeah, John Palmer Sport and, and Gloss Live and try and give us the best coverage as possible. High, high times and low times. Good man. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Ed. Another fascinating conversation from mine, anyway, with John Palmer. I hope he enjoyed it too. I hope you enjoyed it too. Please rate it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Tell a friend. That would be fantastic. Thank you for being here first and foremost. More podcasts coming up over the next few weeks. Stay tuned for that. And if you're looking for any uh, home entertainment solutions and Bang & equipment, check out Serene AV, Jason Briggs and his fine team, Bang & and Serene AV, the sponsors of the podcast. Continued gratitude for, for their support as Cytoplan, their association with the podcast, ongoing for more than two years now as well. And if you're looking for some food-based supplements designed to be digested as close to food would be as possible, head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, discount code at checkout Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals 1-0, and the capital letter R gets you 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing as well. Remember the free complimentary mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, available via the show notes. Click the link there, five given away each month for the podcast. A thank you to Anthony. And remember atticboxaudio.co.uk, a project my wife and I are working on, Carla where we sit down with members of the public after practicing with all our family members and actually getting some great stuff on tape, sit down to record love, uh, love, well, sort of loving stories, but life stories from childhood typically all the way up to the present day, something that connects generations for generations to come, really, and think it's a quality product, if you want to call it that, but something valuable that you may want to look at at atticboxaudio.co.uk or drapermedia.co.uk. Thank you for listening to the podcast and have a great rest of the week. Bye for now. (music) 